On today's episode, Dave interviews actress and Second City alum Jane Morris. Jane has been in Frankie and Johnny, United States of Terra, and The Drew Carey Show. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. The, the older I get, and I'm old now, uh, the more I appreciate fear as a uh, as a motivator. In mm-hmm. in on stage, I mean, uh, we were just talking when I came in about Olan Jones, uh, who does this thing called the Spontaneous Combustion Choir, and mm-hmm. I just I've done this like three whole whole three times now, and you it's improvised choral singing, but I'm not a singer, really, and right. I can carry a tune, I can harmonize a little, but you don't want to listen to me sing, really. And Without a chorus? Without, yeah. Right. I mean, I'm not going to do a show where Jane sings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it's scary to me, because you have to sing, and you do, you sing, you, and you're improvising singing on top of it, mm-hmm. and it scares me a little, enough doesn't scare me so much I don't want to ever go there. It scares me just enough to get rid of my ego, to, you know, be a leaf in the wind. Right. Again. Right. That The fear as a motivator instead of fear as a crippler, yeah. where you look at the fear and you go, oh, that's scary, but that it's just scary. Yeah. And I don't do stand-up. That's fucking scary. No, uh, I know. I know. And I think that... Good the, Good on those people. Oh, man. for I have, sure. I good on those people <laughs> that do short-form improv, the same sort of thing, where they just get up there and they do this quick thing. That's the way I look at it. You know, the people that are doing comedy sports or theater sports or, uh-huh. you know, just improvising in that fast-paced where it's got to be funny right now. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, I don't have that in me. I just don't have that in me. But I do understand people doing that. But I would rather have people around me, like a choir of yeah. improvisers around me. But as I get older, there was a quote today that I that I picked up, Lucille Ball saying, I, I'm not funny, I'm just brave. Uh-huh. And I think that's an awesome statement, because I think that it has a lot to do with the way that, certainly my improv, somebody asked me if, I'm, if I get stage fright, and I don't. Mm. And I can't remember the last time I did. I do, it depends on what I'm doing. I don't get stage fright for improvising, right. I don't. Unless sometimes every once in a while the stakes are high. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, you're doing a show and you're the headliner group or something and you think, you know, it could, you never know. You can, you, know. you can do a million great sets and then one day, you know, right. it just goes, <laughs> you don't know. And so I, once in a while, maybe a little nervous there, but otherwise no. And, but it comes in. But I do it, get nervous when I do, because now I do, like, Fred and I have a show we do together that's all stuff I wrote. You've seen yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, when I first started working on the material and having it memorize a piece that I wrote, no less, right? Right. And get out and do it. Uh, there was a time I was doing a piece for the first time at I.O., one of those pieces, and I nearly, I nearly fainted. On stage, I nearly fainted, and I realized that I was feeling like really woozy. And I thought, "You are not going to faint, <laughs> because as scared as you are, right. what would be worse than, say, forgetting your lines or whatever you're fainting about right now, 
actually clunking down onto the floor with your right. old fat self. Oh my God, and that slamming of your head on the ground, oh, the, sound, the sound of your head slamming, and the internal sound of your head, like the, the sound outside <laughs> your head is loud, but when you slam on the ground of your head hitting yeah. the ground, that is a loud sound. Yeah, and That's this isn't really something that sound. happened like 20 years ago. This happened like, you know, five, six years ago. All that it needs is, because I went up on, on, uh, on a, in a, a farce that I was in, and the worst, the worst play that you can go up in your minds is a farce, yeah. because you're lying anyway. Everybody's lying about what is that they know all the characters what they know what they don't know and no one can pretend to know so no one can help you and I remember going up and that was uh, that was maybe seven years ago that was the last freaking piece I did because it shocked me so much it was sh it was a shocking feeling yeah but I thought well that means you you know you better you better get this together you better not lose your chops you know mm -hmm. I was an actor first I wasn't I wasn't an improviser I worked with a group called the unnatural acts and Who was in that? It was uh, probably no one you would know. Uh, Bud was it in Thorpe. Chicago? No, yeah, it was in Chicago, but Bud Thorpe, David Kovacs, uh, Murph, Jim Murphy, mm -hmm. um, a lady named Janice Carr, and a guy named John Fugel who has passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did sketch, and Mark Nutter actually was, uh -huh. was with us. And um, we went to college together, Mark Nutter and I. What college was that? Loyola in yeah. Chicago with Dennis H. Right. So, uh, yeah, so we, the, the, at that time, and this changed now, they don't want, club owners and the, the, the comedy scene in Chicago always has been gigantic, and it right. was then too. And the club owners wanted sketch comedy, I'm sorry, they wanted improv comedy because the show was different every night. Mm -hmm. It changed later to they wanted sketch so it could be reviewed. Right. 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 But at the time, they, they liked that the show was different every single night, and we did sketch comedy, mm -hmm. and we were all we were very like smug, like we write. I'm sorry. Yes. We don't. We realize. write. Right. So then, when I ended up on the other side of that fence, and it really was because I was running a place called the uh, Chicago Comedy Showcase. Where was that? It was on Diversity. It was an old church. Oh, I remember pews, that. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Diversity near, uh, near, near, near Broadway and Clark, right? Was it? Yeah, there? you know what? This is embarrassing, but I, I don't, I can't. When I'm lost in Chicago now, after mm -hmm. all the million years I was there, right. I, I'm lost. It's weird to go back. It's just weird to go back. Even so much, so much shit has been torn down that you go that memory which I had which was associated yeah. with that building that building is no longer there so I don't know where it is that I am yeah. and the permanence of architecture and architecture permanence that has to do with well, you know, grounding yourself and looking at all that stuff and then it, it was next to there. a famous car dealership like Joe Perillo yeah. Ford or something right. it was a church it was actually a church I know exactly the building you're talking yeah. about and exactly. the, I'm pretty sure the church is still there mm -hmm. the building is still how there how do you tear down a church it, well it's not so. It was a comedy club for. A while. Right, right, but still, the husk of it, the yeah, husk of it. Yeah. So you ran that, and you were saying that that you, you, there was some point to that. Oh, that you know that we had to open. We what we did to get an audience was we booked people that had a following, mm -hmm. and but then we needed like an opening act, mm -hmm. and so we did this improv set of games, and I had never done any of it before ever, and a guy named Kevin O'Connor who had worked with one of the. Uh, Incarnations of Reification Company. Got it. Um, there was an incarnation that wasn't called Reification Company. It was called 
something else. I can't remember what. And anyway, he knew the games upside down. And mm-hmm. I, to this day, I'm one of the best games teachers you could have. Because I look at them like food groups. Right. It's a, there's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. it for, for not the viola way of, you know, what it's really for. Right. <laughs> but for, like you're saying, here we go, boom, out there, laughing, doing it, driving through it. There's a way. I love teaching it from, teaching games like that to, for the reason that they're taught as skill sets, yes. as, as building muscles, as opposed to, we're going to play this game called Entrances and Exits. What's going to happen is like, everybody's just going to get a word, and each one of those words is going to be the reason for them to come on stage or to leave, as opposed to when someone leaves the stage, that's a statement that they're making. Right. And how do you feel about that? Right. And, and to be able to work in that fashion, because I think that so much of that is lost and, and it being lost isn't something where it's like, hey, you kids, stay off my lawn. It's more along the lines of, there's nothing you can do about it other than keep up, for me, keep up that that tool to keep reminding people right. that this is that tool. And when I teach that, I do both. I go, look, it's a skill set. It's to teach you that you you can justify anything. Right. Right? It's, it's because you have to justify everything. You have to justify that entrance, that exit, what that guy said. You have to, you can't justify it later. You have to do it right now right. when it happens. That's the game. That's what you're supposed to do. Then, then I have to back off a second and go, if you're going to play this game in performance, then you have to pay extra attention to this, this, and this. What are those this, this, and this is? Well, that kind of depends on the group that you're working with, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Like what, where do they, where do they fail? Where do they... Did they forget to say the words? Right. A lot. Oh, so you're. You you're, have to keep that game moving. So right. it means in order to play this in performance, you can't be lazy about saying the words. Right. You have to kind of fuck with people a little. Right. And say it a lot, so they have to go in and out, and in and out, and in and out. Right. So you know? the the performance aspect of it, exactly. as opposed to just that other thing. That whole skill um, set. And so often that performance aspect becomes what it is that it is, and all that other stuff is lost. That that. That justification is lost, that the emotional content is lost, that the acting of it all is lost, so that it's more along the lines of a dog and pony show. Absolutely. And there's some games that I just don't understand why anybody does. Uh, questions. That's not even a skill set. No. That's a big bad habit. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's, let's be clever. Well, but good, a, be clever then, but. It's a game. Yeah. And I think that, that that's where. It's not a skill set game. <laughs> no, it's just, it's a, clever it's just game. a game. But it's a clever game. And my issue these days is that notion of clever. And I get, here's the thing about clever. Clever is a useful tool when it comes to things like writing for sitcom. Or, um writing for specific characters. But when it comes to improvisation, for me, it's just for me, I would rather not play with that person that, that enjoys doing that. And that's okay, and I'll sit and watch for a moment, and I'll go, okay, you're clever, but it seems to me to be a banquet of Pringles. Yeah. Which is the name of my next improv group. Oh, good. Banquet of Pringles, I thought would be a good name for an improv group. But there's, it's not challenging for me in that way. And I look at you and uh, Jeff, I don't know. People must say this to you guys. I mean, certainly I felt this way, and I know that Carell felt this way watching you guys. There's an acting style that you have. There's an acting that's behind all the work that you guys are There's doing. There's Dennis Acek for me, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. He was a teacher who worked both internally and externally, but he was especially, especially fine-tuned at external. Mm-hmm. 
and how to show a character, how mm -hmm. to get in that character by how they move, mm -hmm. how they look, how what is their smile, what is how does their eye move, how do their eyeballs move. You know, that's he was so precise and so gifted, really, to even walk you through movement with a character that that's, you know, that was terrific. And then at the beginning of our conversation, we, we started out by talking about, like, our, our lack of education. Right. I mean, to, that's what happened to me. I was so, like, focused on just that moment of that character and this thing that... You know, you're doing people's directing scenes, you're doing, in college, I, I was on stage constantly. I never read the whole play of the thing I was in. <laughs> I don't know. People talk about this play and that play, I'm like, I don't kind of know I what that is. Exactly. <laughs> I'm such an idiot, and that's what I mean, I'm such a naive boob. Right. Really. I used to joke, except it's not really a joke, that I don't read books, I just read book reviews. And right. <laughs> The book's about, that's not entirely true. Well, do, you, do you read books? I do, but I tend to not read uh, fiction. Not that I don't like fiction, I just, there's a lot of stuff I I'm, like to know about. And I, try. Mm -hmm. I had uh, Jim Ortley, who was my last podcast guest. What a jerk he is. Um, you know Jim? No. Uh, Jim, do Chicago I? actor, Jim Ortley. I think uh, I do, but a lot of people I know when I see them, or then I go, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a picture of him somewhere. But Jim's an awesome human being. And he was talking about uh, a Chicago actor, um, uh, he's, you know, just such a great guy and a great actor and still is doing theater, doing theater here and doing theater and doing TV as well. But he was talking about the benefit of a liberal arts education, the idea of learning as much as you can about all these other things so that you can pull them in right. to, to, to work with them, not just improvisatorily, but just also as a human being on this planet, uh, to have those conversations with people, the connections with people. And, and that is one of the great things I think about when it comes to improvisation is, uh, Martin used to say, the more you know, the more that you know that you don't know, and the more that you know that you don't know, the more that you know that you know you have to know. I don't know if you followed me on that one. I did. But I think that's just so vital. Uh, I don't watch much TV because I feel like that's, that's not my game. I pay a lot of money for that rectangle right there, and I don't <laughs> watch it that much. Do you watch it? Do you I came to the house as a baby with a television. The television and me arrived in the home at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I grew up totally watching television, and now television is my uh, white noise. So right. my television, if I'm home, my television is on. Right. I'm not necessarily watching it, but it's on. Uh, I have the news on all day mm -hmm. until it gets too sickening and if I'm paying attention and right. then I watch all kinds of things but I don't I don't sit and watch television mm -hmm. I do a lot of other things but that it's always on the idea of sitting and watching television I'm not again I'm not making and and I'm not the idea of me sitting on that couch watching it is such a rare thing for me to do I can't do it I have to do something I have to do a crossword puzzle I right. can't just it's, it's, it's hard for me to, like, if I rent a movie or something, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I can't, I have to actually watch it. Right. I can't, well, look what's over here. Yeah. I can't. My guitar is next to my Yeah, my computer is there, and I'm, right. I put on stuff that I don't have to pay that much attention to. Right. Like, I've discovered this TV channel called MeTV, mm -hmm. where they show horrible old television shows like The Rifleman. Right. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> It's fantastic. You don't have to watch The Rifleman. It's right. just on, and Chuck Connors is there blowing people away, and it's hilarious. 
Oh my right. God, it's so hilarious. He right. shot somebody yesterday. He was blind. And he shot this guy. <laughs> oh, I laughed. He shot so a blind hard. guy, or, or no? He, he was, was blind. blind. He was blinded. He was blind. I, I, I like. I don't know what happened because uh-huh. I wasn't really. I was on. Right. I wasn't watching. Right. Right. I look up, and the sheriff is telling him the guy that's looking for him is in town or some shit. Mm-hmm. And then he was washing his. He was alone at his ranch, washing his face with his blind, you know, bandages on. And the guy comes up behind him. And I do love watching these moments for acting things. And the guy was, like, mocking him for being blind. Mm-hmm. And then Chuck Connors just whipped around with his <laughs> rifle and just pumped him full of lead. And I re- it was really, really funny because the guy was just smirking at the point where he whipped around. And I really love uh, Western shot gunshot deaths. Oh, they're great. There's kind of like a an array of them, and right. I, I've kind of I kind of keep track of how how people do them. It's different than in say a, a movie like a a gang movie. Um, it, the old westerns are very different because the old westerns people just go. And this is something I think about when you're shot. God forbid, but when you're shot, what when I see people shot, they're shot in the chest and then they immediately die. Yes. Is that what happens? No. Well, maybe, but probably not. No. Probably not. You probably get shot and you close your eyes and then you're not dead yet, but then you bleed out. Yeah, my my oh, I'm always amazed at people in movies and TV where they get stabbed once and mm-hmm. they're dead. Like, no. 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 That's why um, remember Polanski's Macbeth? Yeah. And they when they goes and stabs the king a million times a million times it's so disturbing and although this is a weird thing i saw that movie when it came out mm-hmm. and i've never seen anything that disturbing mm-hmm. in my life the stabbing I, the whole movie the whole movie. every like he all the things that happen off stage in shakespeare happen mm-hmm. on stage in his movie mm-hmm. like they mention when they get there that the two guards are dead well, he shows the guards, and they're both beheaded, and there's blood all over the straw that they're laying in. It's just, and the last fight, which is fantastic, they, they're both in armor, and it's not this like, oh, we're fighting. It's like two guys with big swords and armor trying to kill each other. Like it would really. Like happen. it would really happen, and they're right. knocked off balance, and they're flying around, and they're just doing any damn thing they can think of uh-huh. to kill the other. And then when they, he finally beheads a guy, when his head. Macbeth's head like goes bouncing down the stairs and then they put it on a pike and they they like marched all around Uh and and I remember saying out loud in the movie theater okay I get it I get it and the people around me were laughing (laughs) but but I saw that movie recently and it wasn't shocking at all Mm -hmm. is it because of the times like like we're so much because there's so much of it now it was like tame really Right, and I think that that for me there is just so much of it now. And I'm, I, I was driving, um, I was driving to the airport the other day, and I'm looking at all these billboards of movies, and so many of them are just people displaying guns and 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 guns. And I'm thinking, do we see that on the cover of newspapers? Do we see that on the? Do people read newspapers anymore? But. The guns that are in the movies are so prevalent, we become so deluded to the power that is there that we don't. So that when somebody thinks that they're going to be shot, they go, "Well, you know, I've seen people get shot in movies, and they become okay. They're fine." <laughs> yeah, I, I always when I in the paper when somebody gets shot and they, it's like 
they're in stable condition. I'm like, they're stable condition, but is their leg going to work anymore ever? Right. right. You know, will their knee bend? Will they? Right. You know, that's a huge thing. The whole thing about stable condition with the conditioner, you, you look at them, you go, okay. Uh, I cannot think about that now. They're, exactly. They're okay. Yeah, there's a definition of what it is that they are, and that's uh, fine, and they've stabilized their definition. Their definition has been clearly stabilized, so I think they're fine. But, you know, I, I would also imagine, like, having kids, like, looking at raising kids, and, and you've got two boys, and the idea of, uh, uh, of, of having kids and protecting them, and what do you not show them, and what do you show them, because the society, I, for me, my folks never let me have a toy gun. I never had one, ever. Mm-hmm. And they never let me watch the Three Stooges, because it was too violent. <laughs> You know, and then I remember going to college and going, oh my God, there's this thing called the Three Stooges. Anybody else know about it? There's Moshep and Curly, or whatever it's going to be. Did you protect your... Did you? No, not only did we not protect them, we were like the worst parents in the world in terms of what they watched. And uh, we were horrible. And I grew up around guns, um, so I would never have a gun, but everybody else in my family certainly does. And... Uh, they hunt and everything, but I always just felt like if you don't give a kid a gun, they'll use a, their finger or a stick. They just will. So I never, I, we didn't get realistic looking machine guns and stuff like that, but uh, we got like space guns and right. that sort of thing, I, I think. <laughs> but we let the, uh, one of my favorite things that ever happened was my kids used to love when they were little bitty, they would watch horrible zombie movies, which they did. I'm sorry, we were horrible, horrible parents. and. Um, <laughs> We had a friend who was a uh, uh, made special effects, and he made those um, the the dead people that are in, I think like Michael Jackson's Thriller maybe, mm-hmm. or they were like famous zombies, like the old the dead woman in a wedding dress. You yes, know, like yes, you, yes, you yes, know, yes. you've like oh I've seen that. Yeah. And uh, he he was going to do a a, a a Halloween haunted house thing, so mm-hmm. he had a buttload of those like stuffed in his car to take wherever. And he stopped, I don't know why, he stopped at my house to show the kids those. And Gabe was so little that he came up to like about my knees. And he, uh, we were trying to teach him when somebody knocked on the door not to just fling the door open, Mm -hmm. which is what he would do. So knock at the door, Gabe runs to the door, he flings the door, and I'm running behind him like, don't open the door. And I don't know, I don't know stars out there with this, right? I don't know this, I just am trying to get him not to do that. Mm He flings the door open, and there it was dusk. And there was the street, the house light, porch light, and two dead zombies. <laughs> no humans, just two dead zombies standing there kind of wiggling the way they do. And Gabe just backed up, hit my legs, and I like put my arms around him, bend over put my arms around him. I feel his heart just <laughs> pounding in his chest. And then Star like peeks out and I was like, oh look at Star. And he knew that who that was. And then we put the zombies in the house and they looked at him and then he went over to the uh, workshop and they like ran him, you know, because they there's one that's like oh, a half oh, zombie uh, that crawls. Uh, 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 you know uh, what I mean? And nice. Cra- so they did all that. And so now cut to Gabe's grown up. My boys are grown up now. And I said, What what did you think when that happened? And he said, Well, <laughs> I always knew that one day they would come, and here it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was like three. Oh my god! 
I love that Horrible so much. parents. I love that so much. They worked out. They came out. They, 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 we hope they did. I... But they, well, yeah, they're still a work in progress. But it seems like they're more they're more progress than they are work. Yeah. I imagine. Well, we were at Disneyland one time. Same same era with Gabe Little, and it was raining, so there was like nobody at Disneyland. Us and another family, and it, you could just go on every ride. It was amazing. And late in the day, Gabe went running toward Adventureland, the mm-hmm. Adventureland River. And he was just a step in front of me. And Nate's like, he, he, he's running away. I'm like, no, I, he's right here. I got him. And then suddenly he was a step ahead of me and I couldn't catch him. And he was just <clears throat> running. Nate was always very protective of Gabe. And he <laughs> running. And right when he got to the river, the man had just turned to like pull a boat so his back was there, and Gabe would have gone like clooped off into the Adventureland River, and Nate grabbed him right on that edge and pulled him back. Mm, mm, and I mm. said to him, "Wow, you know, uh, what'd you think of that?" And he said, "As an older person, yeah." Uh-huh. He said, "Well, he knew that the hippopotamuses in the Adventureland River and crocodiles were fake, right? But he still thought they could eat you." And see, to me, that is the whole thing about kids and this stuff. It's like you think, oh, I've explained to them that they're fake, or I've explained that it's all prosthetics, or I've explained... No, no, you haven't. Right. No, you haven't. It, they're a child. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, they we were what, horrible. <laughs> I think, I think for me, also looking at that thing, yeah, they're a child, but there's something awesome about that, too, where they don't let go of a certain... They don't let go of a certain feeling. They don't let go of a certain emotion. They don't let go of a certain... Um, Story or fantasy that makes it yeah, fun. Exactly, or, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I know, uh, and I'm gonna go. I keep going back to this because when I think about again, when I think about you and Jeff, I think about you guys on stage in ETC, and I think about the. I'm gonna say this in a way that isn't meant to be. You you had some rambling scenes oh. that were just so awesome and went to so many great places that you never let go of that fantasy. You never let go of that feeling of we're going to keep moving forward, just going to be in response to each other. And the people that we all work with that let that move forward, that let that, um, that creativity just keep spilling out and spilling out. It's, That's so much Jeff, that. That is so much Jeff, and uh, looking to the wider scene, looking to the abstract thought, and manifesting abstract, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, manifesting abstract? I think I know what it means. Well, uh, boy, I wish he was here right now to just nail this down, but... I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to think of an example, and it's silly of me because you could think of anything at all. Say you were what? Name an abstract. What do you? I'm just thinking of one. Um, uh, wage discrimination or wage uh, in in inequity. Inequity, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a big wide thing. Mm-hmm. It involves. How do you even approach that? Mm-hmm. Well, where would that be? Right. Start there. Right. Where would you be? Experiencing that. Right. Now you're aware. Now who are you? Right. Experiencing that in that where. Right. Right? Right. Now play. <laughs> now play. So there's only three steps before yeah, you Yeah, that's play. his whole thing. It's, right. you know, move so you don't come out of your head. Right. 
Move so you don't come out of your head. Move so, what does that mean, move so you don't you come know, out of your head? You know, move your body. Right. Move, move. So you do get out of your head. Move with the other actors so you're not like in your head so you, going. So you do I'm get out of your head, got it. Yeah, got so it, you get it, out of your head. Right. Um, and uh, then you do, you say the abstract, you find that abstract. Right. And then you play. Right, right. Ah. Oh. That play, that sense of play, that awesome sense of play, I love it so much. The movie, like, like, where are you, who are you, where are you, and then just play. And to get your mind up, because again, going to that rambling feeling, that the rambling of it all, to go, oh, we're, we get to go to this place and then go to this place and go to this place and go to this place, and, and the concepts of that, and the patience that you all had on stage. Because when I think about you, the characters, Jane, that you, that you played, there was, there's, there's a, a tempo to them, a deliberate, at, at least the ones that I'm thinking about, a deliberate, slow, patient, present, mindful tempo that was able to that is able to take all in that's around you yeah but I think I, I think actors have their own rhythm you know what I mean it's not it's not because I for that for me I'm playing and right. I'm listening to you right and I'm and I, you know I people always say oh how do you improvise that's so scary to me it's like well you have conversations don't you right. I mean you're improvising now, aren't you? We don't plan this, right? right, so, right, right. so you can improvise. You do it all the time. Right. You do it every single day. Uh, so it, and even in a conversation, you 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 kind of touch back to the how do we start this conversation? What were we talking about? You know what I mean? You go back. You and that's to me that's what the character's doing in a scene, right? There, we we're here. We're talking about this. We're we're having this activity whatever we're doing but there's a reason for it there's a, mm-hmm. there's a motivation you know I was always I'm always fascinated with Ryan Stiles because he said to me once uh, I can't play without the where mm-hmm. and I can yeah me too uh, I can't play without the point of view right I have to have my character's point of view and then I can maneuver inside that Am I with you? Am I against you? Am I? What do I think about what you're saying? Oh, I totally understand. How do what I? What's my emotional response? Right. What's this character's emotional? Who is this person, and what kind of emotional response would they have? Right. And sometimes, when you kick yourself in the head a little during that, and go, well, here, here, you know, the person's talking, and you're having an emotional response, and part of your brain goes, that's a slim choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. To be oppositional, say, which right. is the first thing we all go to, right? How, how do you, you know, finding that yes and finding the, um, the uh, motivation of that character to agree right. pushes the character into a different direction than you n- might just do. And you need to surrender yeah. the going in that other direction. Right. And I think a lot of people go, well, a lot of people might say, well, I have this particular point of view. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to it because it's a choice that I made as opposed to, I think, as opposed to what you said, which is like, that's a slim, however you put it, that's a slim choice. Yeah. And that slim choice, because it's a slim choice, it's still a choice, but that slim choice, because it's slim, can be jettisoned as soon as it needs to be. Yeah. Can be surrendered to something else as soon as it needs to be. But we commit to that until, for me, I feel like, I commit to that character's choice until something else comes and I gotta go, okay, 
The choice that I made was a choice that I made. I'm going to get rid of it as soon as I can, which is what I'm going to do anyway. I love the idea. I, I think that the, the idea that we're improvising all the time, because I know that for sure. And I think that a lot of people nowadays go, it's certainly the people that I work with in uh, Cal, is the Cal State Summer Arts Festival in Monterey. And it was, there were, these are actors that are doing it who have a certain feeling about improvisation. They go, oh, I don't improvise, I can't improvise. Yeah. And I think the reason is improv has such a connotation of it's got to be funny or it's got to be good or it's got to be whatever as opposed to it just has to be a point of view and a point of view versus, and I say versus, I don't mean that they're fighting against each other, a point of view versus another point of view going at each other. And we do it all the time. And once, once an actor wraps their head around all improvisation is acting, I think that people then will, that, that those actors who will say, oh, I don't do improv, will realize that it's not all whose line is in any way. It's not all theater sports, it's not all comedy sports, it's not all uh, groundlings or anything like that. That there is something else at the, at the heart of all that. Yeah, you would think they would get that anyway with like Commedia and all the things that are out there, but... I get, I, when I started in, the reason I um, avoided improv like the plague, and I did for years, the reason I didn't end up at Second City until I was 28, is because my first um, introduction into improvisation was with somebody who didn't know anything actually about improvisation. Like the teacher, I was supposed to be learning how to do Strindberg and, and Chekhov, in in the second tier of acting in at college, and it, the class was too crowded, and they hired somebody from, I think it was organic theater. As fabulous as organic theater is, this person actually didn't know. Her idea of improv was just start get on stage and start talking. You know, there was no oh, nothing, oh, right. and it was just it was awful, and it was a whole semester of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad improv class where the teacher doesn't I remember one at Second City and I will remain nameless with this who it was at the helm but the scene was like a ha on for half an hour Jim Fay and I went up we would like do anything we could could to get out of there and go out in the lobby and drink coffee and make hot chocolate and come back and the scene was still on and it, oh my god and then when it was finally over uh the guy went on and on and on about why the scene didn't work mm -hmm. and then somebody raised their little patty paw in the air and said do you mean they didn't have a where or some you know some really simple thing like that and he went yes oh and you're like oh man why didn't you just side coach them right what I think it's side coaching, but side coaching for me, I'm a heavy side coacher. And I think that I will stop a scene because there's no reason. Once it goes off the rails, it's not going to jump back on the rails. It's going to keep going off the rails into the, the valley, and then the valley's going to go into a tunnel. And then you're going to, well, like, stop it right there and let's get it then. But I think that a lot of actors, there's a lot of teachers who feel like, I don't want to interrupt the flow. It's like, no, stop the fucking flow. I do both. I, I, I do. I want them to experience getting on the rails right. and why it went off the rails right there. So I side coach that. Once in a while, I want to see, and what obviously with more advanced players, mm -hmm. I want to see if they can ride the train. Right. You know what I mean? That's the you're going to have players. to do that. Right. So once in a, it, it kind of depends. 
Oh, it clearly depends. It clearly depends. But I think that in a class like what you and Jim were doing in that class. Oh my God! Yeah. You know, at the beginning, stop the scene. It's dead. These people don't know how to take how to get the train back on the rails. They don't even know they're on the train. Yeah. You know, they're somewhere else. They're at the depot and not knowing that they're actually on the train. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I feel like they're at the end of the scene, or they're feeling like this is what the scene needs to be, and it's like. Okay, I'm not gonna let you do that. I'm not. I'm not gonna put you through that, because I've also seen some people at Second City, a teacher at Second City, just totally go off on somebody because they didn't stop the scene. Like, did you see that? Did you see that? I'm like, why didn't you stop them before they did whatever egregious thing you you're you're now railing on that person to do? And then for you to go, did you see what they did? They did that, 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 and that, and that. And what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And then take a breath and then go, okay. Try it again. I'm like, why the fuck no, would anybody want to try it? You can't no, try that again. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I look at teachers and I look at, I don't know that I ever had you as a teacher, but I know watching Jeff teach um, and learning so much, not just about the skill, but just about the way that he taught or teaches. There's a calmness and a directness and a focusedness about the teaching style. I'm not often talking about teaching here, but there's something great about the way that he teaches that, that, for me, I always felt like I know what you're teaching because I feel like I'm one of you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm an, you're an actor and I'm an actor, and you're not putting distance between the two of us. You're right. Yeah, he, yeah, he did a lot of plays. He know, now he's the opposite in terms of my stupidness. He knows plays. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he knows, and he reads constantly, and he doesn't. Do any of the stupid stuff I do, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't have the TV on the background. Uh, left to his own devices, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But he lives with me, so right. poor thing. Right, boy, oh boy, I I I have lived been living alone for so long that I don't know what it would be like if somebody had a TV running in the background. I don't. You might kill us both. You might fling the TV out. And, Every time you walk out of the room, I but turn you'd have it off. to stab me more than once to kill me. Right, I know, know we that. know that. And that the 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 sound of stabbing is yeah. really awesome. So, sk, sk, it's sk, horrible. Sk, sk. It's horrible. I was stabbed once when I was fourteen or fifteen. Really? Yeah, a friend of mine took a steak knife and stabbed me in in my stomach in his kitchen. But not deep enough, enough for him to go like that. Like it cut through my shirt. Uh-huh. Sure, I think I've talked about it before. It cut through my shirt and it went into my skin, but it didn't go into, it went like through the layers of skin, uh-huh. but not the muscle. Oh, good. Uh, but I, I looked at him and I went, you stabbed me. Why did he do that? I can't remember. All that I remember is... Was I he was horsing stabbed. around or was we he We were mad? horsing around. Oh. It wasn't like, come here, hammer, and then we yeah, ran yeah. around his house. Jeff got shot in the head. What? Yes, he got shot. He was in, grew up in a horrible, bad neighborhood, and uh, he uh, it was a drive-by. Uh, the kid shot out the window of a car. He was driving by in a car and shot, boom, out the car window, and it hit Jeff, but it, 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 like, grazed along the top of his head. So he was actually, get this, he was writing poetry. That's what he was doing. He was like a teenager. <laughs> he was standing in a doorway writing poetry this is jeff michelski and boom and so he goes running over to his friends going i got shot in the head and there was no manifestation of being shot in the head and they're like well then you know head wounds are it started to bleed like profusely yeah 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 yeah, and they were all screaming and everything and then his nickname was the skull does he still have a scar from the shot must have you know he 
he had to shave his head for a commercial a few years ago, and he always said, "Boy, if I ever have to shave my head, it's going to be an ugly sight because all the fights and pipe, you know, people hitting you in the head with a pipe and horrible shit that went on as a kid." And yeah, I don't remember his head looking particularly bad. Mm-hmm. The idea of being shot in the head, of saying, "I was shot in the head." Yeah, that's a sentence that has a lot of gravity to it. It it is. Yeah, yeah. it's it's different than I was stabbed. Because when you go, I was stabbed. It's like, okay, you're stabbed. So what? People get stabbed all the time. <laughs> but you know, for me to be sitting here and telling you, yeah, I was shot in the head. It's like that's that's impossible. That's impossible to be shot in the head. I <laughs> I never got into a lot of. I remember a fight that somebody had in the front seat of a car, and I've talked about it before. Uh, there was a there was a, a, a there was a, a huge fight in a car. And people were punching in the car and were driving the car and going, what is happening? What is happening? Uh, but did you did you get in the fights as a, as a No, girl? no, no, no. There was a weird little girl fight that happened to me once when I was uh, in eighth grade. And uh, this girl started pushing me. And I wanted to knock her block off, but I didn't. I, I, just, I just walked away. Mm-hmm. And uh, that and... No... I no, grew up with a brother that's two years younger than I, and we used to just get in a huge fight. Oh, me and my fights. brother used to, yeah. Yo, yeah. yeah. But for fun, and then I'd always get my teeth punched in at some point. Literally punched and, in? And yeah, at one point he chipped all my front teeth square in the face. But my mother, it, you know, it, it, we would do this, and then I would, I was trying to get on his nerves, mm-hmm. and I did, and mm-hmm. I got punched in the face. So right. my mother had no real sympathy for me. Right, right. Um, and we would roughhouse, and then I would get... The, he was older than me and a boy, so I would always get the short end of it eventually, you know? Mm-hmm. And then oh. be, oh, and my mother would be like, why, why were you... But we were playing to begin with. It just it got too rough or I fell. Right. You know, he didn't, wasn't trying to hurt me. Right. But I would always get... I always knock my head into something or... I think that one of the reasons... I was retirement, I'm thinking about... That one of the reasons that I think I got into theater was to get away from that that high school peer group, grammar school peer group fighting sort of thing, and to be in a controlled environment where I was able to still emotionally connect with people, but not in a fashion like that. Uh-huh. And that, because when, when I think about, because I started, I started doing theater when I was uh, in fourth grade, and I remember going to the theater and just sitting in there and watching everything that was going on and seeing people emote and seeing people connect and saying, this is this makes sense to me. This mm-hmm. is a controlled environment and this totally makes sense to me. And, and I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. I know. I, I think sometimes now, I said this to somebody recently, when I meet someone new, it's almost difficult because they can't possibly meet me because there's too much of me now you know what i mean yeah there's 60 fucking years of me now know, so right. which part do i you know what i mean like, right right no i totally understand and and if people also know you from if they if they know your work but they don't know you there's that aspect too that they see you as your work, but they don't see you as who it is that you yeah, are. Yeah, I would almost rather they saw me as my work. Really, mm-hmm. I, at least that's 
then I have something to show for myself. You know? <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I have something to show for it. Like, okay. So when you go, when you do, you guys go on the road a lot. Uh, the All Girl Review. Well, we have been. We, in fact, just today, just this morning, we got invited to do the uh, out, out, of out of Bounds Fest. I'm going to see you there. Oh, good. Well, yeah. we were going. So they're bringing us down there. So we're really happy about that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we did the Chicago Festival and the we we started. It was Ruthie's idea because she wanted us Ruthie to. Redneck. Yeah, Ruthie Redneck. She mm-hmm. wanted us to. She heard about the Women in Comedy Festival in Boston. I've right. been to that. You've taught it at the. I've taught. I taught at that theater, at but the I haven't been right. the fest. So anyway, so she wanted us to go to that, mm-hmm. and because um, she's also from Boston, right? Yes. Yeah. And she wanted us to go to her uh, folks' house on the Vineyard for Seder, mm-hmm. and because it was right around the same time, and we did all that. It was wonderful. And then uh, we skipped a year, and then we went back. And that year we went to uh, Boston and Chicago, and then uh, and then last summer we did this giant industrial for Kimberly Clark mm-hmm. that took us to New York twice, and and we did a show for them out here as mm-hmm. well with Cloris Leachman and Sherry Shepard. Sweet. And um, uh, it was. It, it was and Mo Gaffney, who was you know that yeah. was really fun to work with Mo. I, that was really enjoyable. Right. And uh, uh, anyway, so that was a, a really fun thing to do. So yeah, we, it's interesting how I talk about it a lot how how things have changed. How, not they haven't changed. Like I I would never see us doing this back at Second City. You go improvisation is this. It's not going on the road and doing it, but now so much. There's so many fests that are going on. There's so many schools that are teaching. And there's so many venues to play in. It's it's crazy how much opportunity I feel that there is. I suppose. I mean, I don't really. I feel a little. I feel like Sharknado myself because mm-hmm. I have so many things that I. You know, I the Fanatic Salon mm-hmm. is going on, and I have to book that and. Right promote that and then, and then the all-girl show which is just a whole other thing that I'm you know do and would like to be out doing that more that way but because I'm doing and then I I teach people like writing writing writer performance things and right. I end up like I just did a show in the I uh, directed a show called take me to the poorhouse in the Hollywood fringe that got best international show and Fred Kaz did the uh, Fred did the uh, score for it, mm-hmm. and my dream with that show is to have a like Fred live on stage during the show, mm-hmm. but it's too taxing for him to like run around to the fe- for the fringe. Right. But um, anyway, so you know, I'm working with a lot of people on a lot of things, which I thoroughly enjoy. Right. And I feel like in some way that I'm you know, uh, shortchanging everything. Like if I put what if I, what would happen if I put all my energy into the all girl show? What would happen if I put all my energy into fanatic salon, fanatic salon or, right. or what, whatever? I, and I but I can't. I just can't. And I wouldn't. And I and I don't want to. I mean, I really want I to do want all to those either. things. That's the way I feel about it too. Like I want to do all those things. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm shortchanging anything. I feel like I'm blessed in that I have all those fucking things to do. Oh, I'm talking about the business end of. You're that. talking about the business. Well, for me, all those things are business. Yeah, I, I mean the business end of how do I help Ramsey Brown 
who has one of the most lovely, funny shows. Mm-hmm. I had some lady say to me, why do you want to watch a one-person show anyway? And I'm like, because I'll tell you why. Because you will laugh your ass off for one solid hour. Right. Where do you get to do that? Right. Where? Tell me. Right. And this girl, actually, her new show is called Stop, Drop, and Roll. Mm-hmm. And her show... Uh, at the end, a 20-year-old men cry because right. it's so beautiful and touching, but it's also hilarious. Mm-hmm. And how, how do I get, I feel like, how do I get her out there? How, how come nobody knows about her? Right. You know what I mean? How do I, that's where I feel like, I don't have the juice, I guess, myself to say, look, here's, Here's this wonderful actress who does this wonderful show, who wrote that, by the way. Right. She also wrote that. Right. So she's a writer, performer, comedian. Like, what are you missing? How come I can't help that? When you say juice, you don't mean the energy. What you mean is the connection. Yeah. Right. How come I don't, how, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have that. Right. So how, what can I do? Right. What if I just dropped everything and tried to just do that I don't I don't know I wouldn't know how I don't know how either I don't know how either there's so much of that stuff that like about the industry that I go I don't know how to do that and instead of me saying how to figure that out I keep doing what it is that I'm doing in other places where I go okay fine I'm going to be uh, now because people say when are you going to write a book I'm going I don't have time to write a book I gotta go plan on going to Detroit over the weekend. And then I gotta go to Mendocino, and then I've gotta go to um, where are we going? Austin, and yeah. all those things. Who has time to sit and write a fucking book? And then when you write a book, how do you get it out? Yeah, it's all well and good. Write a book, right? Right. Write a, write a show. Fred and I have the most fabulous show, and we're like Brigadoon. We just do it every once in a while, <laughs> and people come and go. Oh my God, this show is so amazing! I'm like, yeah. Right, and then that's it. You want to help me? Right, <laughs> or how do you help? And then there are certain. Then there's also people who will go, "Let me help you," and you go, "Really? Yeah, Why do you help me." Oh, I don't. I would accept any help. I just, uh, I, because I, I don't, I don't know how to do that stuff. I just don't. I've gotten better at it. But you've gotten better at it, too, because you're doing more promotion, I'm seeing. When I say promotion, I mean is getting the word out about what's going on. Yeah, but that's still very, and I'm learning more about that. Right. But it's still, to me, very finite. Like, it's one thing. uh, We have a, a, I met this woman, Cindy Marie Jenkins, who teaches a course in social media. And the whole idea with that is like, well, that's great you're on Facebook doing that. It's only reaching people I actually know. Right. So how do you get an audience that's not your friends, right? That's everybody in L.A. in particular. That's your cross to bear. Right. And uh, that's what she's like teaches you to do is like find that wider community. And, how, and what, what is that? If you don't want to give a, any secrets away, I understand. But what is that? Like what it's is that? It's legwork. And that's what I mean about Sharknado. Got I just it. feel like... It really is like getting getting going to other places, meeting. It's all it's still all personal connection, right? And it still is all you know getting communities to meet together, right? And that's why I'm so happy I stumbled across the Rachel Rosenthal community, which I had no mm-hmm. idea about because I'm an idiot that way. I should know who these people are, and I well, don't. She's been around for a long time. Yes, and yeah. I knew nothing about it because right. that's the kind of boob I am. I'm mm-hmm. still a scrawny, giggling poop like I was. Right. <laughs> and Do, I'm just like, doing really? little parts of the play and not doing the yeah. entire. And then when you say Strindberg, I'm like, you read an entire Strindberg play? Like, oh my God. 
Yeah, um, I did actually though. Uh -huh. It's um, awful. Mother love, horrible. Most of that is just so goddamn depressing in Scandinavia. Yeah, it's particular. like, you know, I can't, I can't. It's depressing. I don't know level. that he was Scandinavian. I think he was. He was. Yeah. Uh, but looking at all those communities and wondering, like, how do people cross over into that? And there's also the idea of, we talked about being uh, being brave or being fearless and, like, really taking a chance and pitching yourself in a way where you go, I'm just pitching myself. I am I'm selling the fuck out of what it is that I'm doing and getting out there. And what's and and what's Ramsey doing, like, like how is she? Because she's younger. She's, mm -hmm. I think I know her. She's a student of mine at one time. Yes, yeah, she was. She yeah. talks about you all the time. Yeah, Ramsey was a student of mine, and I loved her. And she was really, she is really ballsy, mm -hmm. and I really like the work that she does. And I look at, her, I understand what you're saying. Yes, to look at and go, why the fuck aren't you famous? Or I want the entire world to know about you. Yeah. And no, but let's be honest, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that we know. Oh my God. <laughs> that are like that. I know. And Joe uh, Liss, I think about Joe. I know. I know. <clears throat> yep, everybody thinks about Joe. The yeah. improviser's improviser. Someone right. called him that once, not naming him. Somebody said, You mean the improviser's improviser? And right. the other guy said, Joe Liss? And he said, Yes. Right. <laughs> Who else would it be? I visited, <laughs> I went up to Oakland and I saw Joe up in Oakland. I hung out with Joe up in Oakland. And he's. What a guy, man. But I look at Joe, and then I, look, you know, you go. All right, anyway, anyway, anyway. But it, there are so many people that we know. Yeah, but so yeah, so Ramsey, here she is. She, uh, she's done three shows now. Each show is a leap from the last. They're all mm -hmm. fabulous. This one is, and she was just invited to go to Vermont and and do whatever. And so she literally wrote this show. And we worked really hard on it. We did. She's a slave driver, by the way. Mm -hmm. I direct her, and she works tirelessly. And so we would have these like five-hour-long rehearsals of rewriting and blocking, and mm -hmm. you know, just working it, working it, working it. And she took some great, brave leaps um, in terms of how she presents this work. And um, and I don't think she ever trusted it. And I kept telling her, Oh no, no, it's. You got it. You got it. Right. And when she did it, she did it here before she left to do it in Vermont. Standing room only house, leaping to their feet at the end. It was, and it was the most joyous experience uh, across the boards. And you go, this is why you see a one-person show, lady, that I talked to at an audition <laughs> right. once. <laughs> right. You missed this. Right. You missed being pulled to your feet at the end of a show mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it took you somewhere and right. it made you think and you walk you, oh here's one of my favorite things ever that I and I say this to everybody if I can uh, I certainly say it to the people that I um, help with their writing and performing I saw you remember Sister Wendy that nun mm -hmm. that buck tooth nun did artwork she's She's uh, uh, talking to Bill Moyer. You can see Google. It's YouTube. It's on YouTube. Bill mm -hmm. Moyer, Sister Wendy. And he says to her, well, what do you think of Piss Christ? Remember mm -hmm. Piss Christ? Yeah. Okay, people were lined uh, up around the book. Italian artist. Mm, was I, Italian? No, I don't think he is. I think he's... He might be. I don't think he is, though. I, I, anyway, he... It was he, a jar of... It's a beaker of pee with a crucifix in it, and it's like a big velvet painting. It's actually kind of a cool-looking thing. Mm -hmm. and, but it was funded by the NEA. Right. And... It made people go apeshit. They either were protesting it or lined up around the block to see it. So it became this giant, giant phenomenon. Right. So he said to her, what do you think of Piss Christ? And she said, oh, well, you know, 
that's, I don't have a problem with it. That's what we do, right? That's what we do. And he's like, well, okay, blah, blah. And then she said, well, I think of it as safe art. And he said, safe art. What do you mean by that? And she said, well, and she said, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just that some art, when you look at it, you know what you think. You have an opinion. Here's what I think. It's this. Boom, you're done. Right. Right? right. Kind of like in stable condition. You know what right. I, mean? exactly. I know what to think. I'm okay. It. Well, yeah. Forget about that now. Right. She said, other art, big art, wonderful art, you can't do that. You, you think about it more. You don't know what you think. You think about it more. You take away. And that's, to me, the thing. Art is in the takeaway. Right. It's, it, at some point, it's that uncontrolled, no control over what the audience thinks about what you're doing, the space between the notes, between the player and the audience. They're a third player, and they take away what they take. So give them as give them. There's your rambling thing, you know. Put it out there. Put it out there. Put your art out there. It's what they take away. You can't control it anyway. Right. Okay, let's end there. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, addcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.